Hey everyone, we're pumped to be able to share an exclusive trailer with you after the show. From Blue Wire Studios comes Golden Goal Stories of Soccer Legends. Narrated by fellow Blue Wire host Brandon Kelly, each Monday two new episodes will take a look into so- some of soccer's biggest stars and the moments that define their careers. From Holland, Messi, Rapino, and many more, each episode will focus in on the historical plays and personalities that make the sport great. So stay tuned after the episode and listen to Golden Goal, stories of soccer legends, wherever you get your podcasts. Hello folks, Colin Kelly here from Rotoviz Overtime, a podcast I host along with Sean Siegel. And in just a little moment, we'll jump straight into the podcast. Before we do so, I want to let you know as a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% of a Rotoviz NFL pass right now on the rotoviz.com website. It gives you access to all of our content and tools and sets you up perfect for the NFL season. All you have to do is add the code 2020RVRADIO at checkout or by going to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. And of course, while you're listening to the podcast on the network, helps us out a lot if you can rate and review on your favorite podcast app. I really do appreciate that. As I mentioned at the start, Road of His Overtime with Sean Siegel twice a week. If you haven't already checked it out, be sure to do so after this show. But let's get straight into it. Enjoy the podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome into another edition of Bogey Free. I'm your host, Matt Jones. You can find me on Twitter at MattJonesTFR, and I am being joined, as always, or as most of the time, by Evan Cheney. You can find on Twitter at eCheney69. What's up, Ev? How are we doing? I just love every time I uh, you have to say eCheney69. Yeah. I understand yeah, the a, anguish. It was a good week. Last it week. <laughs> it was. Um... But yeah, I mean, you want to talk about some uh, some rocket mortgage? No, all right. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I it was uh, it was not not a particularly good week uh, all around for me personally. So yeah. uh, I am I am more than happy to. I, I relived it yesterday on the solo pod. I'm I'm more than happy to. To move on with life, unless you have some like big score to tell us about that. You no, I I'm just, not aware of. No, I, I, I do think that when it comes to that course, I think people might be over exaggerating some of the scoring factors of that course because everyone, it just seemed like going into that tournament, both years, both years that they've had it there, that they expect everyone to shoot like at least 15 under par. And it's not going to happen. I don't know. It's just this weird thing that I feel when people talk about the Rocket Mortgage, like the last, you know, the two years that they've had it. That's all. That's that's the only thing I have to share. Uh, oh, man. All right. That's, well, that's my take. On that note, yes. um, before, before we jump into the buy or sell, uh, real quick, I do want to remind you guys that you can get a uh, special listeners-only discount for uh, all of the Road of His content. It's a it's a one-stop shop. You can get all the NFL stuff uh, along with the PGA stuff, and the code Bogey Free will get you a nice little discount on that stuff. So make sure if you're not already subscribed, you uh, head on over there and check it out. We have the optimizer 
up and running the ownership projections and then um the you know the game theory pieces that i've been working on and obviously the slate breakdowns uh each week and it's a good way to support the show so uh yeah thanks if you're already subscribed uh and if not we hope you'll uh, you'll consider it so let's uh let's talk about some of these guys up at the top uh that are or the top of the ownership uh scale i should say we we can start with patrick cantley he's 10,600 he's looking like he could potentially be the highest owned guy um there's there's a couple of of guys that i have projected kind of close to him that we'll talk about um but as far as the the very top of the salary scale he's definitely going to be uh probably like pushing 25 percent ownership i would say um so we've we've talked about it a little bit over the past few weeks if we're looking at it from just sort of a game theory uh, perspective, then this is the this is the classic opportunity where you're where you're just fading um, the the chalk in this range. That's a that's a difficult thing to say after last week because <laughs> Bryson obviously won as the most expensive and you know top uh, top two or three owned I would say in most contests last week. So. Um, yeah, I mean, we're we're doing the game theory thing for the for the long term. This is not like a, a a locked and loaded every single week it works kind of deal, right? Yeah, um, I mean, when it comes to Cantlay, it's hard to fade because he just has everything going for him here, right? Because if we're gonna say that the 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 two stats that we should weigh most heavily are driving accuracy an approach well Patrick Cantlay is at least doing the approach part and I know that is a huge driver in you know if you look at the data golf uh, you know what drives what drives scoring variation here and everything mm-hmm. approach is like the biggest difference between you know your average tour event versus this you know mirror field right so Approach is important, and and Patrick Cantlay's what tenth in the field in in the last year, in in strokes gained on approach. Right. Um, I I don't know. This is this is hard chalk to fade because I don't see any statistical reason why you would. And I and, I, and I'm kind of just looking at pricing. Pricing is kind of light this week, in my opinion, at least on DraftKings. Um, so I mean, you could definitely add can't lay to your to your lineups and, and build around that with good value yeah what do you think yeah, yeah i got yeah i guess i mean i uh, i definitely hear what you're saying he's i mean Cantley is one of my favorite golfers to to watch yeah. in general um we've you know if we're, we're gonna keep banging this drum it's it's gonna be like i just out of principle have to uh, have to fade the the highest owned guy that's ninety five hundred or up. It's just that's just how I'm going to be playing it. Um, but like you say, like golf golf wise and and numbers wise, uh, in looking at it from that, like obviously you want to play Cantlay. I think this is one of those situations where um, there are definitely enough guys 
around him that are that are plenty good ball strikers in their own right that you can at least tell yourself you know it's not like we're talking about a guy who's like 7800 and he's striking it really well and we're fading him uh because of ownership like i mean if you if you really want to quibble and you know not find $500 to play Justin Thomas who's a, a decent ball striker um like that's fine <laughs> you don't have to but yeah uh, i i think that there's there's enough um there's enough ball strikers in this range that you can probably get away uh get away with the fade and again if this is if it, it isn't going to just keep happening that the the expensive chalk is going to win every tournament so um at some point you have to be you have to put yourself in a position to take advantage of when that doesn't happen so like we'll talk about the the pivots uh in, here in a little bit but uh there are definitely guys that are um you know plenty plenty good this this field is is top heavy uh top heavy enough where you're not like oh i'm i'm fading tony fee now at the puerto rico open and like, there's nobody else that you've even ever heard of above ninety five hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, no, um, yeah, I, I, I just, I mean, just looking at Patrick Kaleo, the it makes sense to like, if you're gonna pivot, at, you know, pivot off of the most expensive chalk. I get why that would be the case, um, but again, yeah, like we were saying before, it, it's just there's no golf. There's no golf reasoning to fade Cantlay. Right. But then when I look at Mark Leishman, who is the next guy we're going to talk about here, he is coming into this tournament very rough, right? In the two the two tournaments he's played since the return, he missed the cut at Charles Schwab, 58th at the Travelers. He lost, what, three, almost four strokes putting in those two tournaments. Uh, 5.7 strokes around the green he lost um and and overall he lost over two strokes uh in in both those events not what you want to see is he going to be highly owned leishman i mean do you have him as highly owned yeah at the at the moment um it's it looks like in the ak range it's probably between him uh and neiman and maybe a little bit of woodland in there too um, but th- yeah. those are definitely the top three. Uh, I could see, I could see a situation where, um, where Neiman edges him out a little bit, but I think that's, those are kind of the top two, uh, guys, as far as ownership goes. Yeah. I don't, to me, it just seems like if Leishman's going to be that highly owned, I'm not sure if I want to play that given what he's doing right now given I although the approach game is really strong still right he's still gaining strokes on approach and that that's very important here um yeah. I don't know where he's at driving accuracy wise um just got to double check on that but as far as the approach I mean yeah I mean his well, short right, game is if, butt though so like yeah, like if he were if he were projected to be lower like if I knew he was going to be like 10% owned yeah quite but 25 30% owned I don't know. Well, I don't know if he's going to get that high. He's he's definitely going to be in the high teens. Okay. I I mean, if you're going to tell me like 18, 19%, I'm at least going to think about it, right? Because there's obviously the extremes where I won't 
have to really heavily think about Leishman here. But if you're going to say like, you know, 15 to 19% own, then that really makes you at least have to make a decision on. Yeah. I think, I think if he, if he settles in, I have him at uh, like right at 17% right now. If he settles in there, I'll probably have like 12%, you know, like I'll be, I'll be a little bit underweight. Um, but not, uh, not just like a, a complete fade. Cause again, you know, going back to this, this series that I've been working on the, the guys in this range who have, uh, have hit like above, um, I think the cutoff was like 18 and a half percent. But if, if you're talking about like Neiman and Leishman, I think those are the two chalkiest guys. Uh, typically those golfers have performed, uh, pretty well. And we're looking at, uh, you know, Leishman, who is coming up in price, which is also a good indicator of good chalk, whereas we kind of want to avoid the people who are falling in salary and we want to buy the people who are going up. Um, So I I don't see myself going like bananas on them and, and, you know, like tripling uh, whatever ownership is going to end up being. But um right around whatever the field owns, maybe a little bit underweight is probably um, probably where I'm going to be headed this week. Yeah, I think we can agree being underweight on Mark Leishman is a good idea. But then we could talk about Joel Dahman. Right? What do you want to do with him at 7,700? Yeah, so he's uh, he looks like he might be pushing sort of into like 15-ish percent. And if you go, if you keep going, um, like down the, just keep scrolling down the list there, you're not going to find anybody below him that's going to be owned more than him um, as things look right now. So he's sort of, he's sort of a key decision point. If you're going to go, if you're going to go somewhat balanced, I think that you have to really make a decision if you're going to um just go way way overweight on him like play a bunch of him play a bunch of varner and then get take a lot of stabs in the eight and nine k range or if you're going to um you know go all the way up to the top with a Cantlay or a jt are you going to play him and then a couple cheap guys or are you going to have to go uh with two cheaper guys than him so that's that's sort of the decision point i think right now uh, in a lot of the lineups that I've been like playing around with. Um, so I, again, this, this series that I've been working on it, these guys are typically uh, pretty good bets in this range uh, that, that see high ownership, but there's also, um, you know, there, there's a case to be made that you could, you could probably spread out ownership uh, if you're building a bunch of lineups, spread out ownership in this range your own exposure in this range and just be like, well, you know, just try to try to hit on something. Yeah. My thing with Dahman here, he, I mean, statistically speaking, he checks off the two boxes that I want to look at, right. Driving accuracy and strokes gain approach. It's been pretty good. I mean, the last, in the last year in this field, he's 17th in strokes gained approach, 23rd in driving accuracy. So not bad, right? Not right. bad and for in those his price. Stats. That's that's great. Yeah, I mean, I I want that at seventy seven hundred, and then, you know, his twentieth place finish at the Travelers. You know, if he can replicate 
a performance like that here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's, good. he's had two top 20s uh, since the restart. Yeah. It it looked like it was really um, – his short game was just awful uh, the first couple weeks back, and then that looks like it came around a little bit. So uh, he's he's a guy that's definitely interesting. I, I find myself playing him quite a bit. It's interesting because this range in general has a lot of people who uh, are – are clicked on a lot like you have benny on you have scheffler you have phil you have cam champ who is sort of seeing a little bit of a resurgence and then you have day right at the same price you have connors you have coke rack you have snedeker you have varner like you have polter there's a million guys in that range that um that typically see at least a little bit of a a chunk of ownership each week um, so it'll be interesting to to see how ownership shakes out in that range because there's uh, there's just so many people that are uh, typically popular. Seventy seven hundred Jason Day just cracks me up. Yeah, honestly, it's it's, uh, <laughs> it's pretty. Crazy I mean, who'd have thought? Think about yeah, who'd have thought? Yeah. All right. Um, So before before we jump into the matchup, I want to tell you guys about our sponsor, Bet Online. There's no shortage of action going on right now at our partners, BetOnline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all PGA, UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. If you need a little bit more action, they also have simulated NFL and NBA games going on on their website. If you're looking for something other than sports, you can head over to their casino, you can get in a poker tournament, or you can check out their prop bets. Make sure you visit blue, uh, betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right, so we got our matchup this week. I almost went with another matchup with Victor Hovland to make it like four weeks in a row, but I decided not to. Um, So we are going to take a peek at Harold Varner versus Cam Champ. So a couple guys that we just mentioned in this range, like I said before, I do think uh, for, for my money, I think that the like 7,500 to $8,500 range is probably the most important range to pick from and really like dive in on each week just because like you're kind of just throwing darts at the top. Like you're, you're just trying to catch like a hot putter from the more expensive guys. And then the cheap guys are typically all kind of suck. But like, if you, if you really like nail the, that mid tier, the 7,500 to 8,500 guys, you're likely like well ahead of the field. Um, So I thought we could, I thought we could take a look at this matchup right now on bet online. Varner is minus one thirty, and cam champ is plus one Oh nine. Dude, HV three and minus one thirty over Cam Champ yeah. all day. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm happy that I saw it when it was minus one ten earlier. But when I just checked uh, for the for the outline, it's minus one thirty. So pretty, uh, pretty solid closing line value there. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to when it comes to recent form, it's not even close. I mean, yeah, HV three has had a lot of putting issues. You know, that's. If he fixed his putting, he would definitely be getting top 15s. Yeah. 
for sure, right? Um, you know, but it, I, I'm making this bet. I'm not going to tweet at HV3 if it loses. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. That was honestly great. Um, yeah, I'm not going to tweet at it. But, no, it, minus 130 just seems way too short, right? Like, this should be a, at least a minus 175 Ooh. line. Saucy. If not, If not further. Right, I mean, I, I would just bet this to 175 because wow. it's just like the approach game is so much better than Cameron Champ. The the tee to green game has just been so much better. Um, the putting is the only place where I think Cam Champ is like a bit of an advantage. But again, it's like we understand the the variability of putting on a on a on a round to round basis. Right. So you know, t- just taking putting out of it, it's like. HP three is by far the better, the better guy here. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with it. I uh, full cosign there. Um, so let's uh, let's slide down to the pivot section. Um, up at the top, I I sort of alluded to it already. Um, I am I'm most likely going to be doing a pretty hard fade of Cantlay at this ownership. Um, so Hovland, Rose and Thomas are also going to be like pretty significantly owned, I think. Um, so do you, do you have a favorite out of any of those guys or does somebody, uh, somebody else in this range jump out at you? When we talk about the very top of this range here, I would have to give an edge to Justin Thomas over anyone else, you know, if you're talking about the 9,500 plus range again, only because yeah, he missed the cut at the travelers, but his game, at least amongst, you know, all these guys here, it's just look the most sharp all around. Right. So I, you know, cause Decky always has his issues with putting. Yeah. He did okay last week, but, um, his putting issues are always going to be terrible, right? right. Um, but 21st, yeah, he ended up 21st, right? Xander, I mean, you can go Xander too. I mean, I'm fine with Xander in that spot. Brooks, I don't know what you're going to get out of him, right? Uh, can't let me talk about John Rom, and then Justin Thomas, you know, don't, best ugh, on the John approach Rahm. here. So. How dare you? John, <laughs> I'm telling you, his, his amateur, his amateur uh, rival, is coming up in the ranks. My man. All right. So you want to, so if you want to, I'll take, I'll take Rom over McNeely this week. <laughs> Does that uh, work for you? I, that, that's fine. <laughs> I, you know, what, what, what kind of, what kind of <laughs> odds do you think that, that bet online would have up for, for Rom versus McNeely? That matchup would be 250. <laughs> I would say something like that, like minus 250. To I really, I really do wonder what that would be. Let's, that uh, I mean, yeah. while we're talking, I'm gonna run it in my sim and see what see what yeah. pops up. Yeah, do that. But you know, as far as the top range is concerned, I am most confident in Justin Thomas's around the the approach game. So you know, that's why I would go with him over really anyone else in this uh, in this price range here. And then we can go down. 
you know, if we want to go down to the next range, I'll talk about my guy here. I mean, Colin Morikawa is probably one of he's, – he's a top three player for me this week. Right? I mean, he has the best, he has the, uh, the best approach game in this field. Been accurate off the tee. Obviously, he's had his own recent issues. He missed the cut at the Travelers, 64th at RBC. Um, I don't think people are going to be high on him, but you also have to realize, like, you know, tournament before that at the Charles Schwab, gained 6.3 strokes on approach, right? Arnold Palmer, obviously that was in March, but he gained almost 11 strokes yeah, on approach ridiculous. at the Arnold Palmer. Like, this guy... Okay, like he's had some recent issues, fine, right? But I'm willing to buy the dip if he's going to be 9,200, where he should be at least 10K. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think you could make a pretty a pretty reasonable case that he could be the same price as Decky and Xander. Like he could be yeah. sandwiched in between those guys, and I think that would be perfectly reasonable. I mean, really, you could probably say that he should be more expensive than Brooks. He should be, but but he won't. I mean, obviously, no. he wouldn't be. But the other the other thing, real quick, uh, before we before we keep going down too, is yeah. um, you also have to remember that like Justin Thomas at eleven one is a pretty uh, a pretty big discount. Like what was Bryson was eleven seven last week or eleven eight? Yeah, like eleven one as the top salary really doesn't it doesn't make you uh, have to make like really difficult decisions to balance out your lineup, uh, you know, and fill it in. So I just, I wanted to make that point. Cause I, I noticed that before. And I thought that when I pulled the CSV, I thought that there was like some, like something happened to it. Cause I, I feel like it's usually they're They're usually at least like 11 five. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely with you. I'm Morikawa. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know what the hell's going on with Eam. Um, he just seems like he can't like he'll he'll just keep grinding out cuts, but he just feel it feels like he just can't like really get on a roll for whatever reason. Um, so hopefully at some point, at some point that will that will stop happening because uh, I I enjoy playing some Sungjae every week. Yeah, I, he's he's definitely a talent, right? He's obviously a a future talent for the PGA, so we shouldn't be too low on him overall, but. Yeah, I mean, it's concerning to see a missed cut, a 58th and a 53rd. At, you know, at least two of those three courses he should have done very well at, right? Travelers he should have done very well. Uh, Rocket Mortgage, mortgage, damn it, he should have done very well. (laughs) Um, But I I don't know. Maybe it's it's just a a little blip, a little blip in in his trajectory. Yeah. upward in the PGA rankings. I like long term I'm not worried about his game and at some point he's going to he's going to get it back and if 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 you want to pay 8900 it's a good place to buy a dip. I don't want to say the same thing twice cuz I've said it twice in a very short amount of time already but you know Eames another guy that's underpriced to where he should be talent wise. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean Reed too. Oh yeah, Patrick Reed at 8800. Yeah, I like I said before, the the pricing is, I guess the pricing makes sense because of some of the recent performances. But as far as talent is concerned, as far as how well these guys actually fit on these courses, 
I don't think DraftKings is pricing them, at least this week, they're not pricing them appropriately. I mean, if you're telling me that DraftKings isn't paying attention to their pricing and things yeah. <laughs> things of that nature, then I don't know what to tell you, Ev. I'm not... I'm, uh, I'm, I'm V-shocked. Yeah. I mean, I mean, nothing is nothing. I'm saying is breaking news. And then I can also guarantee you that DraftKings is going to push back MMA lock. You're going to see some serious pushing back of MMA lock this Saturday. Just a random thought, but you know, don't be. Um, yeah. So the that whole the Morikawa, Eam, and Reed are just going to go like so under owned because you have Rose Hovland right above them, and then you have Leishman yeah. and Neiman right below. Um, like I might be, I might be like double to tripling the, the field ownership on those three guys and just not playing anybody else in that range. Um, you know, and just, just hoping that two of those three, uh, work in some combination. Um, so if we, if we keep going down, what are, are are you are you in on Wolf? I know he he kind of stumbled on Sunday, but he played really great last week. Scheffler is another guy who um, I think everybody who has tweeted out their betting card uh, has has bet Scheffler for an outright at like eighty to one. Um, He's an attractive guy to put outrights on. Yeah, I mean that because price... he's not. It's like you have these long shot bets. Where he's priced at like a hundred to one, ninety to one, eighty to one, whatever, and it's like he's obviously not. It's very unlikely that he wins these tournaments, for sure. But he's definitely a better golfer than at least the retail sports books are willing to give him credit for. Right, right. So you know that, and I, and I even like him this week. Right, because he's he's um, he's he's gained strokes off the tape, which doesn't seem terribly important because you have guys last year like Martin Kamer, Kevin Streelman, Mark Leishman, who all actually lost strokes off the tee last year and finished in the top five. Right, so take that all with a grain of salt, but I do think there is value in uh, off the tee this week, yeah. even still. Um, so that's with Scheffler. I think someone like Matthew Fitzpatrick, again, he's someone who is underpriced. Um, he disappointed at the Travelers, for sure, right? He missed the cut in a tournament where I think it was chalky, right? He was pretty chalky. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's going to be low-owned because he just he burned so many people last time around. Yeah. But you also have to look before that, the two weeks before that, he had a 14th place finish and a 32nd place finish. Um, you know, a top 25 finish doesn't seem crazy, right? Yeah, no, I think, that's, I think that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, for Fitzpatrick. I mean, he doesn't shine terror. Like, you know, it, there's no one stat that I'm looking at here that he's like pops off or whatever. But he's definitely above average in everything which should at least be good enough to get yourself a top 25 finish, which at 8,000, depending on what happens, he would be in the optimal lineup, right? Am I wrong in that take? Yeah, no, I think that's right. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, what are you looking at in uh, in this range then? 
Um, yeah, no, I, I think, I think that that definitely makes sense. I want to, I, I want to, uh, probably get a little bit too much exposure to Scheffler. Um, well, everyone I, is. I mean, it's just a curse at this point. Yeah, I mean, and yeah. the more, the more that I'm really thinking about it, um, I think, I think Domin, I th- will probably find his way into more of my lineups than I care to admit. Um, and then going down a little bit further, uh, your boy McNeely, I think makes, uh, makes a fair bit of sense too. He does, you know, I'm glad you're finally turning around on him. (laughs) Eighth place last week. This is like when, this is like, this is like when Susan from accounting picks, uh, you know, a, a March madness team because of the color scheme and or the mascot name and just happens to like win the win the pool like that's Uh, literally how you landed on maverick mcneely and you're like you're like patting yourself on the back (laughs) like you're this like prognosticator of like young golf talent (laughs) him and will wilcox are probably my two biggest stakes in terms of like fandom with golf I mean, I have a signed Will Wilcock golf ball, so that's why with him. Um, Maverick McNeely, I don't know how I got so, like, entrenched in his, like, in, in being such a fan. Wilcox I think people is were just another... So... No, go ahead. What, what were you saying? No, I'm just saying, it's like, I think people were just so hyped on John Rahm that I was just like, you know what? Maverick deserves a fan, right? Maverick deserves a few fans. Also, speaking of Maverick, he had his best putting week ever last week. Well, I mean, like for him, then you, then you have to buy because we. Right. If there's one thing that we've learned over the past three years of doing this uh, show, it's that buying the hot putter is a, a recipe for success. I mean, I just, I just want to give people context as to how he did so well, right? Because, like, I know, I know that that course in Detroit, um, it had some insane variance in putting it was like 45 percent of the scoring was driven by putting or something um some crazy style like that and and he ends up gaining six and a half strokes so i just you know i just want people to know that you know if you do if you do want to roster maverick mcneely uh this week just because he did well last week just know he had a really good putting week last week that might not be replicable just know that um, so that eighth place finish might not be something that happens the next week, but you want to talk about a golfer at 7,600 that is worth discussing Corey Connors. I think like, okay, he's another guy that missed the cut of the travelers, but even then he has been very consistent um, since the return when it comes to his approach game. I really like to see that. I mean, they're not his best performances ever. Um, You know, like when he won at Valero, he gained freaking uh, 12 strokes on approach. But, you know, you look at a guy like him, he's doing all right, and he's also accurate off the tee. Speaking of hot putters, Corey Connors. He is not a hot putter, that is for sure. He has not – he has gained – let's see here. In 2020, he has gained strokes putting twice. Once at Sony <laughs> and once at the Charles Schwab. Every other tournament, WGC Mexico, he lost six strokes putting. 
Wait, so, I, I got one yeah. for you. So it, he has he has seventy eight. Um, or I'm sorry. Uh, let's let's call it like sixty eight. Uh, measured measured performances. Okay. How many of those sixty eight do you think? Uh, he's gained more than two strokes putting. Zero. No, it's it's I, he's I done it a few times, but. Oh yeah, gain more than two strokes. Yeah, so what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight, eight times. Eight times. Like two the last... gaining two strokes putting is not like that that crazy. <laughs> the thing is, the two tournaments where he did, it was the Sony. Yeah, there this you go. guy he only history. knows how to putt. Just, yeah, just that, that is course it. history, right? There. Mash it in. That, you only... gotta do it. We'll run this back when the Sony comes around next year. Well, that's like. Uh... That's like Eam, uh, I believe. Uh, I'm going to pull it up. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, his out of his 50, maybe like 48, looks like uh, measured events, He his two worst performances are both at Harbortown, putting-wise. That's just, you just got to, you just got to do it. You know that. You just. You know yeah. that putting is super predictive. You know that course history is super predictive. So when the two come together, <laughs> oh, you're yes. you're just guaranteed to to make the money printer go burp. I I'll I gotta I gotta write this into my notes so that in January <laughs> of next year we can, we can <laughs> set a reminder for yourself on January second. <laughs> so we can hype up Corey Connors for uh, Sony next year. <laughs> um but oh, yeah, man, we're I, so far off the rails right now. Oh, yeah, having any type of agenda, just you know, Why you that, that, that stopped happening a while ago. But we digress, and we and we and we live on. Who else in this uh, seventy-five to eighty-five range are you really looking at? Because I know, well, Russell Henley. I don't know. I throw a name out there. Um. Because he did well at he, I mean, he thirty second at the Travelers. He gained eight point two strokes on approach, and then we can go like two tournaments before that, which was in March. But at the Honda, where he finishes eighth, ten point six strokes on approach. Um, and then what did he do here last year, or last time around rather? Uh, Memorial. Where is it? Where's that damn tournament? Why can't I find it? Am I that bad? Did he play in the Memorial Lab? I don't think he did. I mean, I never mind. Okay. But anyway, he is becoming a lot better on approach, I guess. I guess that's how he spent his, his quarantine. Could- I'm just, I'm so excited for like Thursday at 11.15 when he gets his first birdie for you to DM the, the PGA birdies account. That's all. I'm just, I can already see it happening. <laughs> I mean, it's either, it's either a, a vague threat or. No, they're not. They're never vague threats. They're very specific <laughs> threats, but, so usually having to do with fires and somebody's home. <laughs> you know, sometimes you guys just knock, knock. I'm coming right. at you. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Just let's kidding, uh, I would never advocate that. Let's uh <sighs> let's get some let's get some deeper some deeper guys some here and do some cash yeah. locks and get the hell out of here. Yeah. I I, I don't know. I feel like you you really promised a lot 
uh, as far as like hot takes go, and you you haven't delivered yet. I I like tweeting. Yeah, <laughs> I I just really like tweeting. Well, for what it's worth, uh, under seven k, like the the absolute chalk uh, is going to be Henrik Norlander. Um, I would, yeah, I would imagine. So and some he's sixty five hundred. So. 65. Something interesting that I uh, that I came across when I was doing the game theory series, and honestly, I don't even know if I'm going to write up an article for under sixty five hundred dollar guys because it's just like there none of them are particularly good. But um, anybody who who basically is like above four percent owned, if they're sixty five hundred and below, is just like a smash, like they hit their ceiling like 40% of the time. Like it's just, it's completely absurd. Um, it, it makes me, it makes me think that it's probably something to do with uh, guys that maybe DraftKings uh, doesn't price the right way because they're young or because they're coming from a mini tour or they're Euro guys or whatever, but like the community knows about them and their ownership yeah. goes high. Um, but the the three the three guys that would fit that criteria this week are Norlander, uh, Sebastian Munoz, and Neesmith, uh, like under seven K. So those those three guys um, are are going to definitely find their way into my lineups where I want to play like JT plus somebody in the nine K. Yeah, I mean, what what did Munoz do last week? Hey, he missed the cut. Yeah. Um yeah, he you know, I've I've never seen yeah. um I was I was tilting that one pretty hard. I That was bad. On Friday, I think he made two putts uh over 8 feet. Like he everything was just like burn the edge, 12 inches to hole, like shot Yeah, it wasn't even It wasn't even <laughs> just putting him. It was just everything. It was so bad. Like he he lost 3 strokes total. Um, lost three strokes off the tee. Yeah, well, he, you know, had, lost he had like three. Tee, he had like three out of bounds drives. Yeah, like, which I don't think is yeah. something that. Like, I think that that's, I think that's supremely fixable. Um, it's very fixable. But so I'm it's not. Like, I'm not too worried about that part. It was frustrating. It was yeah. very frustrating. But I think he can fix that. And statistically speaking, he seems sound elsewhere. He seems sound on approach. He seems fine, you know, most weeks tee to green. Yeah, right? he hasn't he hasn't lost strokes yeah. on approach since January. Um yeah, which is I guess like eight, maybe eight or nine uh events. Yeah. It's always gonna be his short game. Um and when when he gets loose with his driver, like that's that's just the end of it for him. So um yeah, I don't want to spend too much time on him, but I I think that for sixty eight hundred, I think he has a pretty decent amount of cut equity. Yeah, no, you're 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 right on that. Um, yeah, I know. That's why I said it. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, he's he'll be fine, I think. You know, long term, again, one of those guys, but just burned a lot of people last week, and he'll probably come in at lower ownership this week because of it. And he's he's also one of those guys that like can 
can figure out can find some eagles he can yeah. hit birdie streaks like he's very volatile he's almost like a like a Johnny Vegas it, like that's what he reminds me of like following his score I'm always like oh that's weird he he shot a he, you know he shot a 39 or a 40 on the front and then he shoots like a 31 on the back like that's that's just who he is like when he streaks and gets hot I think that he's he's one of the better scorers uh that you're gonna find in that range yeah I I, I you know I'm walking down here and it's like I don't have any huge takes on anyone um you know maybe maybe matthew neesmith only because he's done well on approach yeah i like neesmith um, i have a t20 loses, on him yeah i mean he loses strokes everywhere else except on approach yeah but uh, again if we're if we're gonna value approach as, as much as we are then you know, I, I guess it's worth considering, especially what what is his price tag? Sixty eight hundred. Yeah, he doesn't have to do a ton. No, right? Top thirty would get him into the optimal. Yeah, so I, I I don't I'm not crazy about anyone else. I don't know about you. I have a weird feeling that one of either Tom Hoagie or Jim Furyk are going to have one of their weeks. Oh, I have a, uh, I, I have a, a top twenty on Stricker also. So. Stricker, yeah. I mean, I would, yeah, I could, I, I could see Stricker being in that mix. Um, but yeah, I mean, at least one of these guys that, whose only good skill is getting the ball onto the fairway. One of them is going to do well, right? One of these old guys who, or older guys, I should say, that. You know, all they can do at this point is just drive the ball off the tee and get it onto the fairway. They don't drive it far, but it's just an accurate tee shot, right? One of those guys is going to do really well this week, and if you can figure out which one, there might be some money for you. That That is my take. I like it. <laughs> yes. All right, ready for cash locks? Are you ready for cash locks? I was That's born ready question. for cash locks. All right, go for um, it. I would say Colin Morikawa. Um, you know, that's my guy there. And then I am willing to say that Matthew Fitzpatrick is my other lock for I like cash that. this week. That yeah. might I think that might be one of your uh one of your better better weeks. Well we'll find out in a few days. No, it's it doesn't matter what actually happens. It's just it's oh, all it's about true. the process. It's process. You're from Philly, still you know that. That's true. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I am going to agree with you on Morikawa. I think that, uh, he's just, like I said before, he's just one of those guys that I'm going to be like supremely overweight on, uh, and I'm going to feel pretty good about it. I'm, I am having a hard time with the, uh, the cheaper guy. I, I originally, I was kind of, um, I was kind of leaning towards Domin. Which I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna go with that uh, as things stand right now. Once I once I finish the article, I might change my mind. But um, I think Morikawa and Damon are uh, are pretty solid bets this week, and uh, should be 
should be in your in your exposures. All right. So who wins? Let's uh, let's leave the people uh, with the winner. Winner. It's a really good question. Uh, this sounds bad, <laughs> but you know, I would just say JT. Wow. Or I would. I would. Are you? you know, are you safely on that branch going out on the ledge like that? I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm okay <laughs> with picking the, the, the stone cold favor to win. Um, I'm, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to, or I, I don't know, maybe this is a, a hotter take than the prices uh, suggest, but I think Rom ends up winning this week. Wow. Hey, I feel it, like it, that's, that's spicier than for a $10,900 golfer. Yeah. I feel like that's, that's reasonably spicy. Well, hey, now if he comes off of his three post-season uh, suspension performances and wins this tournament, and you can and you can make that and you make that bet and and win on that bet, good on you. There you go. Honestly. All right, folks. Thanks again for uh, joining us this week. We uh, we will be back next week for uh to talk about the same course but a different field so that'll be that'll be the first time that's ever happened so it should be fun um good luck in your contest this week and we will talk soon see ya this is brandon kelly the host of blue wire's new podcast golden goal from Lionel messi to marta to pele our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars what a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe. From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire.